return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. And we want to welcome anybody who's joining us from other countries. Already had greetings here from India and uh, India, African countries as well. Europe, the United States, of course. Uh, we just want to welcome you for joining us, Facebook Live. I want you to know Jesus is so close to you. I had a name coming to me also, Shankar. Shankar. And if that person, you know that person or they're listening right now, I just want you to know how much Jesus loves you. And he cares about your life. And he knows everything that you're going through, but he's got a great plan for you. And all you need to do is lift your eyes, put them on him, and just say, Jesus. Just say, Jesus. He's going to manifest himself to you, Shankar. Amen. Uh, if you know somebody by that name, let them know about this. Amen. Amen. Lord is good. He is so good. Of course, we're talking about fathers uh, today and stuff, and uh, uh, we will talk some of our emancipation come the 4th of July, Juneteenth, and all that. But today we're just focusing on fathers. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 15 says that you, you have many instructors... Uh, yet you do not have any fathers. It's an interesting comment here. Many people instructing, teaching, doing things. You do not have any fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. A father is someone who equips, trains, empowers other people. A father should do that for their own family. They should equip, they should train, they should empower their sons to do what? To succeed in life. A father's heart is that their sons or daughters would go far beyond them. All right, far beyond them. Not, not, just, not just the same, but go far beyond. Say far beyond. That's a father's heart. A father's heart actually would be like, as far as we go, our ceiling should be their floor. So if you're in the natural as a father, you, should, you want to be setting the stage for your children to really prosper and succeed. Do everything you can for them to do well spiritually the same way. There are many pastors and so forth. There are many ministers in the body of Christ. But not all of them have a father's heart. You know, sometimes people are there, you know, because they get a bigger offering or they get a bigger crowd or whatever. But a father's heart is different than that. A father's heart cares about the people to lift them up. It's not about money or numbers or anything else. It's about training people to succeed and go far in life. After all, all of us are going to leave this life someday, right? <laughs> we, should, we should understand that as Christians, having a home in heaven is wonderful with Jesus, but also understanding we're leaving a heritage behind us. Now, the biggest, best heritage you can leave is not material possessions, but a spiritual heritage that you planted seeds in your children's lives or your family's life. So there's many instructors, but not many fathers, not many that want, want people to do better than them or to be more accomplished, or for their name to be bigger. People like the fact we've got a big thing. No, no, they want, their, want others to do better. In Luke chapter 15, so here's, here's a father. 
you know, the prodigal son, he wasted his living. So he lived uh, wasteful, extravagant, and all the things like that. So he took, he took uh, part of his father's inheritance, and he went into another land, and with wild living and women and sex and, and booze and all the things like that, he squandered all of his money. All of his money that was really his daddy's that gave him an advance, right? And so, but yet his father's heart. Now, it's not like this was new to his father. So he's got one son who's diligent, working hard, doing everything his dad says. He's got another son who really is looking, always looking over the fence, wanting to do something else. Probably not the most obedient kid. Same family. You can be in the same family. Isn't it something how kids can vary <laughs> in the same family? All right. So, so here's this other son, and then this son comes and says, I want my part of my inheritance. And his dad gives it to him. His dad allows him to go off, knowing that, you know, he's probably going to waste it all. Knowing that he's not disciplined. Knowing that he's more worldly. Knowing all those things, his dad still gave it to him. His dad allowed him to fail. His dad allowed him to live the way he lived. But also his dad had planted in him good seed. Just like the other brother, planted in him good seed. Same, treated the family the same, planted good things. So one son is home, still doing the work, now by himself with their servants. But then the other son is gone. We don't know how long, but he's gone. Now the interesting thing that, that says... Uh, his father is waiting for them. So the son comes to himself. I like that. <laughs> if you've got a child that's wayward or something like that, I just want to encourage you to keep praying. And we always pray this way. Holy Spirit, remind them of things they've heard. Because the Holy Spirit will do that. God's never going to push somebody to serve him. But he'll remind them of promises, of things that they knew before. That, you know, they wake up in the night, they'll think about it. Early in the morning, they'll think about it. And hopefully, like this kid, came to his right mind. And all of a sudden, woke, woke up kind of like, wait a minute. I'd be better off being a servant in my dad's house. So to speak, he realized he thought he lost his sonship. But I'll just go back there. He'll still treat me better than I'm being treated in the world. So he comes to himself. So if you have a, one that's lost, just, just pray. Holy Spirit, you can do that even now. Remind them. God is faithful that. He reminds people. Amen. Though it brings back to their remembrance what was spoken before. So you just pray, Holy Spirit, even now, say it. Just Holy Spirit, remind them what they've been taught, what they've heard, what they've learned, that they can come back. So this is the heart of a father. So the heart of the father is waiting. The heart of the father is hoping, right? So he's, 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 a, he's a long ways off, but his father saw him. So his father... His father's been waiting, a father been hoping, a father still loves a son or daughter. You know, that doesn't change. It doesn't change. Natural parents love their kids, no matter what those kids do. They're still your kids. They still bear your name. They still bear your name. Our Heavenly Father loves you also. You know, he doesn't, he's does, he's, he will never turn his back on us. You can never go so far that he can't reach you. You can never go so far. You might, people say, they're so rebellious, they're such a loser, they'll never come back. Don't ever say that, because they can. God is gracious. And so this, this daddy, finally, he's, he's been waiting, he's been watching, he's got hope in his heart. 
Bible talks about faith and patience. They inherit the promises. So by patience, faith, he's applying it. And then one day, one day, you know, he away from the house or whatever, he's on a hill. And all of a sudden, he sees this guy coming. He think that he walks like my son. He looks like my son. Now, keep in mind, he probably wasn't dressed the greatest. He smelled like pigs. <laughs> he didn't look the greatest. Spent all his money. Went out full, coming back empty. And yet the father's watching, waiting, hopeful, loving. And so what does he do? The father, the father, when his father sees him, the father runs to his son. He runs to his son. I love that the compassion, the love, the grace. Isn't grace a good word? (laughs) It's such a good word, folks. So the father sees him. He has compassion. He loves him. He runs to his son. He falls on his neck, kisses him, grabs him. So glad you're here. Welcome home. I've been waiting. And of course, this boy just says, hey, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. You don't know what I've done. It's really, it's not like he needs to know. It's not like, well, I did all this and this and this. So at some point, it's going to disqualify me. Nothing disqualifies us from God's love. Nothing disqualifies us. Someone could be on death row. They've murdered somebody. That doesn't disqualify them. God still loves them. Someone could be divorced ten times. Doesn't disqualify them. God's love is eternal. Nothing can separate us from that love. So as long as a person has breath, there is hope. There is hope that that person can turn have a change in their thoughts and so forth and turn toward Jesus and pray and surrender their heart. I've seen people do that. My dad did that late, late in life and the peace of God came. It was just the most wonderful thing. Couldn't see anymore, couldn't walk. Still had his right mind and he gave his life to Jesus. There's always hope. If you know somebody that maybe you're thinking right now, it could be a family member, there's always hope. Somebody, you might think, you know, they burned me so many times, I'm not going to say anything. No, no, you want to say something. If somebody comes to your mind, use your phone. Today is so easy. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's easy. It's not hard. Worldwide, we can talk to people. Worldwide, you can FaceTime people. It doesn't even cost you a cent other than you've got to have a phone, I guess. But you can talk and communicate and share the love of Jesus. With somebody else. Amen? So good. Now, Luke chapter 6 then talks about, of course, our Heavenly Father. The characteristics of our Heavenly Father, which is what we want in us, is that we would love enemies, we would do good, we would lend, we would not hope for something back. In other words, you're not doing something to get something. You're just doing it because it's the heart of God. And Jesus said, your reward will be great. You will be sons of the Most High. This is, this is pretty neat because... He was the son of God. We become sons of the Most High. If you're son of the Most High and you take his name belonging to Christ, then you're taking, embracing also his character, amen, to be like him. So he says, you're sons of the Most High, and he is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. So that is the heart of God, just, just like uh, this, this daddy of the prodigal. He's kind to him, amen. His son, his son wasted his living. 
his son had done bad things, lived the, lived the world life, and yet he saw him and he loved him. And that's the heart of our Father. That's the heart that has to be in us. Because most of the world sees the body of Christ as somebody that doesn't like other people, doesn't like certain people that don't line up to their beliefs. You know, they have their little judgment code and uh, of the gospel and so forth. And who's right, who's wrong. And yet the heart of the Father is, he is kind. Notice the word kind. Say nice. In other words, he's going to smile at someone who's unthankful. He's going to smile at somebody who's evil. Like the ten lepers, only one gave thanks, but he didn't curse the other nine. They all got healed. They all got healed. He didn't curse those other nine. He just said, well, where are they at? Oh, they aren't here. This one guy was made whole and received and came back to give thanks. So then Jesus says, therefore, be merciful. Say merciful. Just as, notice how it's personalized, as a Christian... You have a natural dad or had a natural dad, but now you have a spiritual father today. Your father is also merciful. So now, spiritually, this is the heart that he wants in us. Now, my father's no longer alive. Jeannie's dad's no longer alive, anything like that. However, we got, when we got born again, we, like, we entered into a new family. Everybody could point something, maybe to their natural mom or dad, the things that weren't so good. But aside from that, you have a spiritual dad who gave his son for you. And now he enables us to walk into his character, into this family, a new family, family of God, family now sonship. Even the women are in that sonship. We have that kind of father. And he enables us to do what? To love people care about people, which begins, of course, in your own home, your own family, but extends outward to everybody who you meet in this world. Now, that's, that's huge, right? Because that's how the body of Christ is supposed to be. The body is connected to the head, Jesus. We are connected to the Father. So anything that out, falls outside of these things here is not of God. Any behavior that falls outside of these things here is not of God. God didn't come to curse the world. He came to save the world. Jesus didn't come to judge the world. He came to, didn't, to condemn it. He came to bring it life. We have that kind of a God. Folks, that's how we're going to reach the world, right? We're going to reach the world. Remember, Saul of Tarsus was there when Stephen was stoned. And, he's, and they're throwing stones at him, and he's there standing by the pile of coats, you know, yeah, get him, yeah, kill him. And yet this guy, full of the peace of God, full of the presence of God, says, Lord, hold not this sin to their charge. Lord, don't hold this against them. Lord, forgive them. And he kneels down and falls asleep. And that seed is planted in the heart of Saul of Tarsus. And you could think, well, he, he, was, he persecuted the church. Indeed, he did. However, that was a seed planted. There's power in a seed. There's power in a seed. You could take, if, if we didn't, uh, Pastor Randon will, will spray things in the parking lot. If you didn't do that, you'd have trees growing in the parking lot. And the trees would break the concrete. The power of a seed could break concrete. The power of a seed planted in people's lives is huge.
And you might look at somebody and think, you know, they haven't received, nothing good has happened. But you can't look in the natural. You have to understand the supernatural principles of God. If I plant a seed, that seed is still there. And I believe something good is happening as a result of that seed. In other words, God is gracious. Someone could die living for the devil. And yet to their very last moment, God has been gracious to say, turn to me. Follow me. Live for me. Remember what your parents said. Remember what this other person said. He is gracious so that no one ever in hell could say, you sent me here. No, it's all because they chose to go there. They chose that. God didn't send them there. They sent themselves there. God is good. He loves people. Folks, I just see people all the time, people all the time that are so different than me. And yet I think, oh, Lord, you love them so much. You love them so much. Now, Luke chapter 12, Jesus said, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He's giving it. You don't pay for it. He gives it. All right. It's his good pleasure. He loves, God loves giving, by the way. Gave his son. So, so you might see somebody's real generous. Well, generosity really proceeds from God, right? It's your father's good pleasure to give you. Now, this is his kingdom. In his kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. In his kingdom are all these things of love and hope and the fruit of the Spirit, but, but also this character. We, folks, folks, gifts and so forth are wonderful, but character is the basis of how we should live our lives. Character always comes before gifts. Someone could come out and they could prophesy and they say this and that, but if they're met, their private life and all this is a mess, not good. Like if you were going to go buy a house, you probably would want an inspection. And one of the key things that inspector would look for is cracks. Right? Is there cracks in the foundation? Is there cracks on the basement wall? Is there things that shows that this house is not stable? Cracks above doors. Well, those are important things, right? The foundation which is character, is huge in our lives. Now, last Sunday, last Sunday, it was, it was a great Sunday. If you weren't here, it was just a wonderful time. Uh, uh, Kingdom Kids, we're believing for revival amongst young people. We pray for that every Wednesday and so forth. Revival that would hit our schools and so forth. Incidentally, people can say the schools are terrible. Young people are not bound. Young people can speak up in schools. Young people can talk about Jesus. Young people can have Bible studies. They can do all those things. I can't maybe go and do that, but they can do that. Right. All right? People do that at STSU. People that do, do that here, too. Those things are all possible. Hallelujah. So we're praying for a revival in young people. It was a great time. But we mentioned also that there were young people in the Bible, like Joseph. Yeah. Amen? Joseph and David and Daniel and Timothy and all these people. We can read about. We can read about some of their exploits and read about how they... Uh, Joseph changed the world. He became a world leader. And Daniel influenced the world. And David became the king, king of all of Israel and so forth like that. So he was a world leader himself. But where did all that begin? Those are seeds planted. Planted in their fam- by, through their families, right? 
Now, granted, not all seeds grow maybe the same. Like Joseph, he had, he had brothers that said, let's kill the guy. <laughs> well, those seeds may, maybe didn't grow yet, right? But just the same, something grew in Joseph's heart that caused him to prosper in whatever adversity he was in. The same was true in Daniel. Even though he was captured out of Israel, and we don't know what happened to his family, but here he had this character to live for God. The same with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Amen? So you see these people, David, the same way. His brothers just thought, what are you doing here with Goliath? You know, why, why you should be back taking care of those sheep, you know? So his brothers belittled him. And yet something had grown in David's heart that he's out in the field worshiping the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why all those things always are. But in my heart, it wasn't like my parents planted something, but I was different than my brothers. Grew in the same family and so forth. And, and actually, my brothers were older than me. So I lived my last years. I was just home alone. I get up alone. I eat my own breakfast, eat my own lunch and so forth like that. I seldom saw my parents because they were working. But I was different. Everybody, everybody has different things that they face. But you can grow in the midst of adversity. And then when you combine that with Jesus, something great can happen. Timothy was a young man. Never mentions Timothy's dad. Never mentions his dad, but mentions his mother and his grandmother. Hallelujah. Her mothers and grandmothers. But it never mentions his dad. We don't know. No, he's always a Greek, but we don't know anything aside from that. But, but it was the others that planted in Timothy's life. And those things, those things eventually take, took hold and helped them to grow in, in God. So we see people in the Bible... All of us here are products, DNA and otherwise, of our parents. That's why, you know, you may do things like your dad did or like your mom did or whatever. That's why when you go to the clinic and they want a history report, they want to know what's in your family line because those things follow. Same thing spiritually and in the natural. And so you we're a product of our parents and so... Good or bad, you can take the good and do something good with it. You can never go back, but we can always go forward. Now, in, in Mark 1, in Mark 1, James and John were key parts of a family business. Jesus saw James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother. They were in a boat, many nets, and he called them. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after Jesus. So they were, they were part of a family business. It was a business. They had boats. They had employees, servants, employees, and so forth. James and John stood to inherit all that Zebedee had. You know, that's kind of how inheritance goes. Follows your family down the line, so forth. But Zebedee had trained, equipped, empowered his sons to be what? To be leaders. I mean, I would guess he was expecting them to take over the business. In a lot of other countries... In a lot of other countries, not America, but a lot of other countries, especially, uh, anyway, uh, when parents get older, the children take care of the parents. The children and the parents live together. All right? They live together. So the children are taking care of the parents physically and in every other way. And the parents, they feed them, they live there, they have their own room and so forth like that. So many places when we're at in other countries, the whole family's there. That's just very common. 
So Zebedee has a business, a fishing business, with boats, employees, and so forth. And his sons are pretty important to him. Many places in the world, men are more valued than women. Thinking of workers. And God's eyes are all the same. But many places in the world, that's how people look. People will demote women. When we're in other countries, I always have Jeannie on the platform with me. Why? Because I want them to see a woman leader. I remind, because a lot of the conferences are a lot of men. So I remind them that God uses women. Remind them that Jesus first appeared to a woman. I remind them that Jesus first brought the gospel message to the disciples who were fearfully hovering in another room, another place. So I remind them of how God uses women, and I'll have Jeannie come and share something, you know, with them. Really opens their heart. I remind them that their, their spouse is not their servant or slave. So I remind them that there are things. Now, what, what am I saying? Because I'm, I'm, I, it's important to do this. The Bible always trumps culture. Culture will say one thing. Well, Pastor Dave, this is how we are. I know how you are. But I know what the Word of God says. So the Word of God will talk about honor. talks about honor in the home and so forth. So the Bible always trumps culture. So whatever's out there, culture, well, we were raised this way. Okay, well, you can change. I was raised in a certain church, and we never said anything at church. Church was quiet. And that's how it's supposed to be. And don't you dare say anything. But, you know, that's not the New Testament church. The New Testament church is quite noisy. That's why the, the kids growing in the temple, and they're shouting, and they're dancing, and they're saying hallelujah uh, to Jesus, and it, it offended the religious people. Heaven is quite noisy, actually. So, so, you know, we should understand when we go there, there's going to be a lot of praise going on. Think about this. If there's, if there's rejoicing in heaven over every sinner that repents, and like, like just think at every nanosecond, someone got saved, someone got saved, someone got saved. It's just perpetual praise in heaven. Amen. Perpetual praise. Something's always, they're always going hallelujah for someone new who maybe came into the kingdom. So we change, we change according to the word of God. So uh, I think they had a big business. They were prosperous people, right? Matthew 20 says this then. That uh, remember it was the mother of Zebedee's son came to Jesus with kneeling down, asked of him and said, Jesus said, what do you want? And he said, she said, grant my two sons of mine to sit one on your right, one on the left in your kingdom. Now, she was not ashamed to ask for big things because she was around big things. She was a very, they were a prosperous family. You know, if you come from, if you come, for a lot of us did not grow up this way, but if we come from poverty, we, we're real hesitant to ask for something big. Because all we've known is poverty. All we've known is lack. But what they've known is abundance and success. And so she comes and asks for something big for her sons. And I think, I think as we grow and we learn about how good God is, I think it is good to ask for big things. Now, what are we going to ask for? Well, I'd ask for the nations. <laughs> Amen? It's like, it's like uh, someone said to Heidi Baker when she was on the floor in a meeting in Canada. They said, well, what do you want? She says, well, I want to, uh, Mozambique. We'll ask for Mozambique then. And so she did. Changed the way she thought. Begin to think bigger. Begin to think how God loved people and how he wanted to do the supernatural. Amen? So these are things, these are things, of course, we learn in our lives. 
But as we've gone on in our lives, we begin to think bigger, which we want to transfer to our kids. Amen. Or to our grandkids. Nothing is impossible. Mark chapter 3. So Jesus gave the name for John and James and John. Uh, he pointed 12. Notice he gave them power to heal sicknesses, cast out demons. And Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Bonangers, that is, the sons of thunder. Now, when you look at the word sons of thunder, you don't think of someone who's calm, quiet, uh, kind of like a sedate personality, you know, hallelujah. You don't think of that. You think of someone who's probably quite boisterous, someone who has got a lot of zeal, maybe uh, uh, could have a quick temper, you know. Now, I would guess James and John, I get, would guess their daddy in the ship business, cracked the whip. says, we're going to do it this way. This is how you do it. And that's why they're mending nets. We're going to take care of it, Dad. This is, the job gets done. They had employees, but they're doing work too. And I would guess he was a man of order, a man of strict discipline, a man of character. And this is how they ran things. And so here you have James and John who are that same way. We're going to take this thing. We're going to do these things. Now, there's a wonderful thing about zeal, but zeal always has to follow righteousness. We can have zeal like, I'm going to do this, but we also have to understand, Lord, if it's your will, Lord, with your power, Lord, with your grace. Because there's lots of things you can do on your own, but God wants it to be the Holy Spirit doing it. I can take people, you can try to convince someone you're going to preach, you're going to get saved today. Maybe get them to pray a prayer. But are they going to walk that out next week? It has to be the Holy Spirit. That's the thing about, that's the thing about lots of times having zeal and excitement is that then you have to have a channel to say, okay, Lord, I'm just going to trust you for this. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. We're not going to change the world. We are not going to change the world by ourselves. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we will change the world. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit changes people one, incidentally, one at a time, right? So Jesus looks at them. They call Jesus, and you are sons of thunder. Now, Jesus knew their daddy. It wasn't like Jesus did not know Zebedee. It wasn't like, Zebedee, stay out of the picture here, Zebedee. No, no. He knew Zebedee and he knew their mom. So he knew the family. He knew who they were. He knew the, the things that were on in their life. Understand this. Everybody has a different temperament and a different personality. And God can use you as you are. He doesn't make us clones that you have to be like somebody else. Sometimes people think, well, you just got to preach the word. And this is how it is. And then you get everybody else to just preach the same way. Yeah. I remember years ago with, with, uh, when the faith message came out, everybody wanted to talk like Brother Hagin. Well, bless the Lord, and faith this, and they just, everybody kind of taught, taught like him. No, 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 be yourself. Be yourself, be who you are. One of the fun things about our church is through the years we've had, Lord only knows how many people have been raised up and taught the Word of God and so forth, and all of them are different. They're not clones of me. 
They're not imitating me. They're not saying my expressions. They're all themselves. That's as it should be. Jeannie and I aren't the same. I'm amazed sometimes. We've been, we've been ministering sometimes, and, and I've got a word and, and, and to share. And like I say, overseas. So Jeannie come up and she says, I'm thinking of this word, and I'm thinking of this scripture. And she shares it. And then we minister, and then I minister, and so forth. And afterwards, ministers come up to her, bypass me. Boy, that really spoke to me. (laughs) She shared for five minutes. I shared longer. But God uses people, right? Some people, yeah, the breakthrough comes through the preaching. Some people, the breakthrough comes in the teaching. But it's not... We can't get involved in all those semantics, but the heart of Jesus. You have to be yourself. Turn to your neighbor and say, be yourself. Be yourself. So God will take things in our lives and he'll mold us. You know, maybe you've been disciplined and so forth, but he wants to mold. Whoever we are, he wants to mold things for the kingdom. Now he wants to use us in the kingdom. Now he wants us to heal the sick. Now he wants us to cast out demons. Now he wants us to do... His work. Now he wants us to serve others. We cannot, we cannot calibrate and say, well, this one is really more important than this one. We can't do that. No, it's all Jesus. It's just Jesus wanting to minister to people. I have friends that give away food. Pretty powerful. Pretty powerful as they give away food to thousands of people every week. Wow. Pretty amazing. I've been a part of that. But it affects people's lives. It touches people with the love of Jesus. Now that's, I can't say that's my ministry. I've helped in that. But that's, everybody's got different things that they're doing. It's like the lady who baked apple pies and won her, won her city block to the Lord through apple pies. She's a good cook. Hallelujah. We need good cooks, right? The rest of you, I guess you're fasting. That's fine. But anyway... We need good cooks. So she wonders, so she went to the neighbor, knocked on the door. Hey, brought over a pie. Maybe we can have a cup of coffee and set up relationships. Yeah, yeah. Say relationships. So God will use you in your temperament and who you are. Not that you're meek and weak, but you can be meek and strong. Amen. You can still have conviction. And you use you, you and I, who we are, how we've maybe grown up, and now he takes those attributes and uses them for his glory. That's how we see people all through the Bible. Even Daniel, you know, he, he went through three presidents of the country, and yet you never see Daniel on a podium preaching and lecturing the kings and so You never see that. He was involved in government. And sometimes government went too far, crossed the line. He says, I'm not doing that. I'm not bowing to that thing. I'm not, I'm not going to pray to the king. I'm not going to pray to that image. And so he just took a stand. And in the middle of his stand, he was not pointing fingers at others even. He just took a stand. Pretty powerful. Wow. Pretty neat to see how that is. So remember James and John, sons of thunder. Remember that in the book of Luke chapter 9... They were the ones that wanted to call fire down from heaven, okay? So John, who we think John the Beloved and John who wrote the epistles on love and so forth, 
Yet it's James and John, those two, the sons of thunder, we're going to take this and we're going to burn that village. And they meant it. And they were biblical. They quoted scripture with Isaiah and they, and, and they uh, 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 or Elijah. They, they follow, were followers of Jesus. All these things, and yet they were wrong. And Jesus takes us, you know, like Jesus says, wait, wait, wait. You don't know what spirit you're of. And so he keeps tweaking us. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to be tweaked. All of us are, right? All of us are, are being changed from glory to glory. In other words, God takes us then as a, as a father and shaves off some rough edges and says, don't do it. Don't do that way. Don't do that. A father will instruct their children in the way they should go. A father will equip their children to do bigger things as he should. Luke chapter 5, we've got to hurry here. Luke chapter 5, so they had this miraculous catch, and of course, this is when they come, uh, uh, I think, next, next thing there, Luke, is there, do we have one from Luke 5? Maybe not. Okay, so, now Peter and John, they're astonished at the catch of fish. Now they, this is another, this is another account now. They follow Jesus, now they're back with their dad, and so forth. Here's Jesus again, they catch the fish. James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And, and this, Jesus said, from now on, you'll catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed Jesus. Now, in the natural, you could think this would have been pretty crushing for Zebedee. But they had taken now, now they were taking, Jesus takes people as they are and makes us into his, his image to do the things he wants us to do. And so the two boys are leaving behind the business. Actually, their mama did too. And their dad did not prevent them. It's a tribute to their dad to let their sons follow Jesus. It's a tribute. He didn't dad throw down a gauntlet and said, you are not going to do that. And so, no, no, he didn't force them. He didn't do anything like that. But Zebedee took them. He had equipped, he trained them. He thought he trained them for the business. In reality, he was preparing them for the ministry with Jesus. To understand things, understanding authority and so forth. But Zebedee had released his children and his wife. You can imagine some of the conversations they're having at night. They're going to bed and saying, do you think James and John will ever come back? That Jesus is an amazing person, isn't he? And I'm sure Zebedee's thinking... He sure is. This isn't how I planned it. This isn't how I planned the business. This isn't how I planned that it should go. And his wife's saying, you know, I, I, I think I'm going to follow him too. And he says, you think so? Well, I'll hang around the boats here. I'll hang around the employees, but just do what you need to do. Now, there's not like traveling distances like they went to some other far off place. They're in the same country. They're in the same region. But now they're following Jesus and, Je and Zebedee blessed his wife. To follow Jesus. When I got saved, my parents didn't like it. It ruined their dream for me. <laughs> they had a dream for me, a hope for me. And those dreams and hopes were squashed. But the reality was, God had a plan for me, which was higher than their plan. He always has a plan for each one of you that's higher. Anybody watching, God has a higher plan. You want to respect your mom and dad, but he has a higher plan than what maybe you've seen in the natural. 
And you can do greater things than you've ever thought possible because of the Holy Spirit and because he is with you. And because he will, even if, even if your mom and dad don't like it, he's just saying, I'll, I'll be with you. I'll take care of them too. And he does. My family who rejected me for years eventually got saved. Parents got saved. Brothers got saved. Hallelujah. God's plan is a good plan for each of us. So in Matthew 27, Matthew 27, this is, this is even important with Zebedee's wife. Uh, they saw Jesus, of course, crucified on the cross. The centurion saying, truly, this was the Son of God. Many women who followed Jesus from Galilee ministered to Jesus, were there looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. And she was at the cross with Jesus. And we don't know if she was in the upper room, but I would guess that even from there carried on the ministry. Many of the people, that when it talks about the women ministering to Jesus, they were supplying things. They were giving things. They had resources. So I would expect Zebedee was a big giver and that he was supplying things for his sons and his wife and so forth, being a real example of a dad. Those around you, if you have children yet at home, you want to bless your children. I would lay hands on, on your children as much as you can. I still hug my kids. They're bigger than me now, or the boys are anyway, my son, son in laws but I still hug them. I still bless them. My grandkids, I will still bless them. And they'll always be respectful. They'll stop, okay, Papa, and they'll stop and close their eyes. And then their kids do the same thing. They kind of expect that in our households now, that this is the kind of household where you're going to get hugs and people are going to pray. And that's good. And not all of them are even Christians. Some people, kids that come over are Muslims and so forth. And yet they respect. I'll tell you what, the world needs to see Christianity. They don't need to see this. They need to see this. They need to see the love of God. They need to see respect. They need to see uh, caring for others. And so we have myriads of people that will cross our paths all the time. And what they believe in their background really doesn't matter at that moment. What matters is loving them the way Jesus loves them. That's what matters. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can do this. <laughs> you can do and, oh, All of us, listen, all of us grew up with biases, you know. So we're, we're, you know, the South Dakota, you know, people considered a white state and so forth like that. Everybody grows up with biases. Those are things we have to all overcome. Things maybe we've learned in our household that weren't good. Maybe things that people said in our household that wasn't good. So we have to overcome those biases. I had a, I had a relative in Chicago. I remember visiting in Tinley Park. And, and uh, he was a farmer. Now that's all city where he once was. But this was a man who, who uh, was very white and he didn't like black people. He didn't like policemen either. Didn't like black people and didn't like policemen for whatever reason. And that just, that, I, I only saw him really was with him once in my life for a week and I picked up a lot of things like that. Whoa, you know, even for me, it was like, this guy's out there, you know? And then older in his life, his wife died and he's in a nursing home and his roommate is a black man. And he begins to talk with a black man who he had never talked to a black man in his life. And this is the south side of Chicago. He had never talked to a black man. And him and this man became best of friends. 
because they're in the same room and pretty soon they're talking and pretty soon they're, they're visiting about life. And well, we like the same things. We do the same things. And so forth. they became best of friends. You know, everybody you see has a story. Everybody you see has a background. You know, you could, you could look at, well, they're this way. Well, why are they that way? What path have they traveled that they're on today? What, what's, what's happened in their life? You ever stop to just ask people, hey, what, what's going on in your life? People are usually so concerned about telling their story or what they think, they don't listen to anybody else. Even with kids, so many times with kids and my grandkids, I'll, I'll ask them, how's school going? Oh, fine, Papa. I said, how are people treating you? Oh, fine. I said, now, is anybody abused? Anybody, you know, saying bad things? I dig, I dig into the thing a little bit. Why? I've got grandsons who are black. I have grandsons who were mistreated. Yeah, yeah, that happens in life. But the point is, you have, to, you have to dig around to communicate. It's not all about you. It's about others. God so loved the world. It's about other people. So I have to get out of my place. And what are, other, what are others going through? What's happening in their life? You may not like what's going on in their life. You may not like what they believe. Okay, but still you're relating a little bit, Right? Otherwise, you're telling somebody something about the Lord, and they're saying, you didn't even know me. You don't know what I believe. Just in the same, the same goes the other way. Someone could look at me and say, he's a pastor of an evangelical church. Therefore, he believes this and this and this. Or Jeannie on Facebook has Democratic friends, and someone's railing and says something to her, and she said, you don't even know what I believe. And the person went, Oh, I'm sorry, I guess maybe I don't. I thought you were like that, or like this, or one of them, or... This is how the world is, right? The world looks quick to judge, quick to make a decision, and Jesus would say, hey, let's just go out and love people. And we want to be like our Father, amen? So this this is close, the last thing, Ephesians 6, you, you know, you honor people. So you honor your father and mother... It has a promise, incidentally, that you'll long life, which is good. Verse 3, maybe well with you, live long. But you want to treat people how you want to be treated. Whoever that person is. Amen? Take your hands, just put them out here just like this. You can set your Bible, just put your hands in front of you for a minute. And just say, Lord, here am I. I'm your servant. Thank you for loving me. Now open your eyes, look all around. Thank you for loving all those people around me. Thank you for loving everybody I meet today. Thank you for loving people I don't like. But Lord, I ask for your heart that I could love like you love. That I could treat people with honor. That I could be a blessing to this world. And this is for dads now and anybody. Lord, help me to be a leader. You all are leaders, by the way. Help me to be a leader, the leader you want me to be for your glory and honor. Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit that we have been given power to become your sons, manifested sons of God, manifested sons of God. 
Walking, Lord, oh, Lord God, hallelujah, in your character. Walking as lights for you. Lord, thank you for giving us this. Thank you for enduing us with this power. Thank you for your blessing on people here, people watching. Thank you for uh, the world today, Lord. We live today. And this is a great time to be alive for you, Jesus, as a mouthpiece, as a vessel of honor for your glory. Thank you for blessing the dads and everybody here in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen, amen, amen. amen. This is something you can pass on to somebody. Pass on to somebody else. Share it with somebody else. Give it to somebody else. Amen. Well, let's stand up. I want you to shake hands with about 10 people. Amen. Near you to say, I bless you today in the name of Jesus. I want you to see them like Jesus sees them. Amen. And uh, just take the time to do that. Amen. Ask questions. You don't know someone. Ask their name. Where are you from? What's going on in your life? Amen. Ask about their life. Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylifeatbrookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.